Монголын дуу хоолой радио ярьж байна. The Voice of Mongolia in English is speaking. Welcome to the Voice of Mongolia in English, which comes to you from Ulaanbaatar, the capital city of Mongolia. This half-hour transmission can be heard in Southeast Asia at 900 UTC on 12085 kHz and in Europe at 1430 UTC at 12015 kHz shortwave. You can also visit our website at www.vom.imen/en and listen to an online version of our daily broadcast. Hello, this is Voice of Mongolia in English. In this edition, we'll have the daily news first, followed by a musical break. Then we'll have an interview about Gobi beer or Mazale. So stay with us. Here is the news. Students studying in South Korea to be involved in the study and work program. Deputy Minister of Education and Science of Mongolia, Gambayer, received delegates from North Chungcheong Province of the Republic of Korea on February 21. At the meeting, the two parties agreed to strengthen cooperation in the transition to digital education, pedagogical training for professors and student exchange programs. The Mongolian side underscored the need to prepare specialists in the most sought-after and priority areas within the framework of the new recovery policy of the government of Mongolia, increase the number of students studying in South Korea, and also allow Mongolian students to work while studying so that they can solve financial problems and practice what they gained in classes. Such a program is to be launched in South Korea for the first time. At the end of the meeting, the parties signed the Memorandum of Cooperation. Ulaanbaatar Marathon 2024 to take place on May 25. The Ulaanbaatar Marathon 2024 will be held on Saturday, May 25 at the Sukhbatari Square in Ulaanbaatar City. The Ulaanbaatar Marathon is an international competition organized by the Governor's Office of the capital city of Mongolia since 2014. The marathon aims at developing running sports in Mongolia, increasing participation and promoting physical and mental well-being among youth. Last year, more than 20,000 people from 30 countries, including the best professional runners of Mongolia, Japan, France and Kenya, participated in the marathon. The number of participants in the marathon is increasing year by year, making it one of the major activities that people eagerly anticipate. 
The organizers emphasize that there is a likelihood of a rise in the number of professional athletes from abroad participating in this year's marathon. In addition, alongside the marathon, a variety of art performances, services promoting a healthy lifestyle, recreation areas and mobile food areas are offered throughout the day. Moreover, circus performances for children, contortion, bodybuilding shows, public dances and exercises are displayed among the marathon routes. Electronic uh, portal to be developed for accessing tourism information in Mongolia. The Ministry of Environment and Tourism of Mongolia will cooperate with the Smart Government 2 project and develop an integrated electronic portal for obtaining comprehensive information about tourism in Mongolia. The Ministry of Environment and Tourism also announced that the activities implemented within the framework of the One Billion Trees national campaign will be enhanced, the transparency of the sector will be improved and advanced technologies will be introduced. By implementing the Digital uh, Government Development Project in 2024 to 2028, within the framework of cooperation between the Government of Mongolia and the World Bank, the quality of government e-services will be increased and they will meet the standards of human-centered and citizen-friendly services, and the budget will be saved by introducing cloud computing infrastructure to government institutions. The digital skills of 13,000 citizens of target group will be improved by 30%, 60% of whom will be women. It is also planned to increase at least 3,000 jobs based on digital technology. Mongolian Premier assures a special focus on herders' welfare post-Zod. As per the government's decision, emergency groups headed by ministers have been established to provide assistance to provinces facing Zod. Prime Minister Ayungirtin Lofsunamsara visited western Arkhanga province on February 22 to assess the risks facing herders in the upcoming summer and familiarize himself with the winter and spring challenges they currently endure. During his visit, the premier uh, engaged with Harhanga herders, expressing solidarity while assuring them of government support. He discussed the potential solutions with the herders for addressing their issues, including the recent continuous snowfall causing road closures, hindering further collection and medical access. The herders suggested that herding families grow green fodder for their own needs, facilitating the assignment of students and young professionals in veterinary and zoo-technical fields to local communities and exploring the possibility of establishing yak milk, dairy products and weaving factories in the region, which is renowned for its Mongolian yak population. Acknowledging the immediate need of the herders, Prime Minister emphasized the importance of ensuring aid quality and addressing social security concerns post-Zod. 
In addition to the immediate relief efforts, the government is collaborating with international organizations, non-governmental organizations, the private sector and local council to raise a fund for multiple rounds of assistance until the snow melts. Recognizing the ongoing environmental and climatic challenges facing pastoralism, Prime Minister Lofsen Amstrao Jungirden stressed the importance of a long-term strategy. He also highlighted the need for coordinated efforts between government and herder families, as well as alignment with regional development initiatives to ensure sustainable solutions for the future. Right, that's all for today's daily news. After the musical break, we'll have an interview about Kobe beer or mazala. Oh, 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 oh,
Please welcome back. You are listening Voice of Mongolia in English. In this episode, we'll present an interview about Gobi Beer or Mazala with Mr. Harry Reynolds, a president of Gobi Beer Fund. Yes, the Gobi Bear uh, project was established really in 2005, and our goal was to find out how many bears there are, and if they are declining or stable, you know, the population is remaining the same, or maybe growing a little bit. And so with help from, um, I'm here mostly to help the Mongolian researchers, and so there's a, a number of them. The, the um, uh, Ministry of Environment is heavily involved, as is the uh, Mongolian um, Academy of Sciences Institute of Biology. And uh, so we have students and workers that are in each of those, um, uh, those organizations all working together in the Gobi Bear Project. And the Gobi Bear Project is, is funded mostly I've, from some grants that I've applied for and myself. It's, it's a, a lot of it has been uh, money that I saved for my retirement. So um, I retired from the, from the job that I had as a bear researcher in 2005 and I've been working uh, with this ever since. So, uh, what specific things Gobi Bear Project does? What are, what are the number of things you guys are focusing on? Well, we're trying to focus on the, the health and well-being and the numbers of bears to make sure that they recover to, their, to the numbers and the area that they used to use. Uh, and prior to 1970, there were there were more Gobi bears and they, they lived in a wider area than they do today. And so our goal is to make sure that uh, the numbers recover to the former numbers and the area that they use recovers to the, so, so that they, uh, they're not going to be endangered and they, um, they maintain a presence in Mongolia and the world. You know, mm -hmm. it's a it's a very important bear because um, some of the things that the Mongolian researchers are doing, uh, the geneticist, is going to be what they call the genome. Mm -hmm. It's the total genetic makeup of of the bear, and using that information, they're going to find out who it might be related to in other brown bears from other brown bears and also the special characteristics that allow them to live in a desert environment. And that's going to become much more important for brown bears around the world as climate change continues because these bears have adapted to desert conditions and more brown bears around the world are going to be affected by climate change. And so this bear is... Uh, national treasure of Mongolia, but it also might be 
a national treasure for the world to help other brown bear populations. Mm -hmm. In order for them to maybe teach, survive, and desert as well uh, as uh, climate change happening yes. at the moment. I see. Uh -huh. So, um, do, does uh, Gobi Bear Masala has any other uh, unique specifications than the other brown bears besides uh, being surviving in Gobi Desert? Well, they do, but they—they also what you, what is called an umbrella species, because if if we do uh, as much as we can to save the mausolei in um, in the Great Gobi strictly protected area, you also say you also um, affect the environment of of uh, snow leopards wild Bactrian camels, Asian wild ass, uh, lynx, uh, palace cats, um, argali, mm -hmm. ibex, all those species. You know, if, you, if, if the environment is good for, we make sure the environment is maintained for mausolei, it's also maintained for those other species. Mm -hmm. And so it's, they, they act as kind of an umbrella and uh, uh, means of protecting other species too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, nature works that way, right? Yes. Uh, combined, um, I mean, included, inclusive, yet uh, when the one is uh, not present, it will likely to go off, right? Yeah. So, uh -huh. and uh, how many gobby bears are there right now? Uh, we're not exactly sure, but we can't give you an exact number, but I think right now there are probably about 45. And the, um, our goal is to increase that number, like I said, to the same level that it was in about 1970. And to do that, you can do, uh, one of the means to do, to do that is to increase what you call the uh, carrying capacity or the amount of land that um, the bears need mm -hmm. you know and it's good quality land that that will provide the food that they they use and so there's two ways to do that one way is to um, you know the the land used to be where the bears lived is used to be much larger than it is today mm -hmm. and so one means of doing that would be to uh, include the Great Gobi strictly protected area with the, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrongly, Gurvan Saihan National Park. Uh -huh. Okay, which is right uh, uh, just to the east, and there's not much room between the two, mm -hmm. but there's a transportation corridor there. But the government, you know, the parliament, um, uh, with partnership with private indu industry, could uh, work on a connection, connectivity zone, and to make that a priority. And it's done in other places. And so uh, what that would do mean is that find a way to uh, allow the bear to, first of all, make it a priority that the bears could cross, to could go from one place to the other. And the other uh, thing, you, the way you can do that is to provide overpasses like they do in 
you know, where, where two roads meet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one goes over the top of the other one. Mm-hmm. So that is used in Europe and in North America for um, animal crossing zones. Mm-hmm. And the other way is to make a, um, like a tunnel, a, a, a culvert, you know, just kind of like a, a bridge. Mm-hmm. So the bears and, and camels and, and gazelles and other species can go under. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing they can do. The other thing is more difficult and um, would require pasture management. Um, which is uh, been identified a number of times as a, a means of helping wildlife populations in mm-hmm. that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, pasture pasture management is another thing the Mongolia is facing, yeah. huh? Yeah, yes, it's with our uh, uh, great number of uh, uh, ha- a great number of uh, livestock as well. So yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I heard Gobi bear is almost vegetarian. It doesn't harm anyone, and so shy. No, it's it's very shy. It uh-huh. uh, it um, uh, just by people using springs and areas in the Great Gobi, that makes the bears avoid those areas. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're very shy. They run whenever they see people. Maybe you know whenever they see or smell people. Smell is their their best uh, mm-hmm. sense. But um, you know the they're they're very shy. The other thing about them is is they they don't um, they don't prey on they don't kill livestock. Mm-hmm. Or at least as far as we know, and I ask many herders if they, if they, ever experienced bears had ever um, killed sheep or goats or camels, and they said no. Oh yes, one time we had a bear come into our gear, into our camp, and take some sheep food, <laughs> and then it left. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. So, so that's so vegetarian. Yeah, and it did so cute. Yeah. <laughs> So um, oh, they didn't have any uh, food. So well, it just yeah, that's what he he smelled the food mm-hmm. and the food that's provided for them. There have been um, some what we call supplemental feed, mm-hmm. extra feed that's provided to the bears two times a year. Mm-hmm. One when they come out of hibernation, and then one in about August. And early September, which is a time of year when the bears have to uh, gain as much fat as they can, so they can hibernate through the winter. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, as we were talking earlier, also the time of year when the mothers are are giving birth to their babies in their dens, mm-hmm. while they they wake up to give birth, and uh, and then they wake up. A couple times a day to uh, suckle, so, mm-hmm. so the young ones get milk. But when they're when the young ones are born, they only weigh about a kilo. Oh. And by the time they they leave the den, they weigh about uh, uh, eight to nine kilos. Oh. 
And so they do that all in the den, and they have to, the mother has to have enough fat so that she can make the milk mm -hmm. so that the young ones can, can survive. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. So it, and that's, you know, it's, it's a difficult Life, situation. You know, yeah. And, and so um, that supplemental feed has been provided for them just one time, just in the spring, until about 2006. We recommended also having it in the fall, mm -hmm. and so the um, the the Ministry of Environment and a number of other interests have been active in um, providing more food, mm -hmm. you know, more of the supplemental food, and improving the quality of the springs that are there because some of the springs are no more than, oh, maybe 20% or, well, of a square meter. You know, they're really small. Mm -hmm. And others might be, um, oh, maybe 10 meters across. But mm -hmm. the springs aren't very big. Mm -hmm. They're real tiny springs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... You know, maintaining the, the quality of the, of the springs and the availability of water that is there and providing a little extra food. And really, they're so shy, they really need to be in a place where there's not a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Which can happen in Mongolia, but also it's a little difficult, I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mr. Harry, thank you very much for the interview. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, thank you also very much for the project and for what you have been doing for Gobi Bear, not only Gobi Bear, through Gobi Bear, uh, the sustainability of Mongolian um, nature. And through that, it's, you know, if, if we can improve it here a little bit, uh, it can contribute to the world nature. So. Yeah, th that's right. You know, the Mongolian people are uh, it's, it's an outstanding group of people to work with, and they're, they have the, uh, an abiding interest. Everybody that I talk to <laughs> is excited about Gobi Bears as a, a symbol for what Mongolia can offer the world, and it really, it's... it's Alright, that's the end of this edition of The Voice of Mongolia in English. You heard an interview about uh, Gobi Bear or Mazala with Mr. Harry Reynolds. So thank you for listening. Have a good day.
That's the end of the program, which comes to you from Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. The Voice of Mongolia provides half-hour transmission to Southeast Asia at 900 UTC on 12.085 kHz, and in Europe at 14.30 UTC on 12.015 kHz shortwave. You can also download the phone application MNB Radio and listen to all the programs of Voice of Mongolia. Your emails and letters are most welcome with your feedbacks and detailed reception report. Please either email them to vom_en at yahoo.com or send them to the English section The Voice of Mongolia, CPO Box 365, Ulaanbaatar 13, Mongolia. Thank you for listening. Bye.